tell you what you're listening to. Welcome to Father Simon Says on Relevant Radio with Father Richard Simon. I'm here to answer your questions. Have a question? Give us a call. 1-888-914-9149. There's any question you may have about the Lord, the faith, and the church. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is, in fact, a radio show called Father Simon Says on Relevant Radio. Let me remind you that radio is not yet an exact science, especially if I'm involved with it. So, But we're talking, you're listening, I hope. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to talk. So if uh, before I talk, let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit, they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Lord, you taught the hearts of the nations by the light of the Holy Spirit. Grant us by that same Spirit to have right judgment in all things and evermore to rejoice in his comfort through Christ our Lord. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Well, I, I think I might have to do this on my own. Open the big book on the coffee table. Oh, I hear the voice in my head. He's here. How exciting, <laughs> at any rate. Oy. Well, <clears throat> let's start with the gospel today, because I think the gospel is tremendously important. Uh, well, of course, don't be ridiculous. Of course, it's tremendously important. I, I was looking up something when we had radio glitches, so let me look that up as I'm speaking. But this is about a centurion. Now, a centurion, this was a rather, well, tough guy. Uh the centurion was the was the backbone of the Roman army. Uh, a centurion it literally meant commander of a hundred, but there were, you know, servants who were involved with slaves and and auxiliaries and you know, there's more than a hundred people that that a centurion was in charge of. But when a Roman commander was, you know, they didn't have walkie-talkies. They didn't have all the communication devices. Um, uh, they had to bring the centurions of the army into uh, the the command tent or wherever the commander was, and they would be given the battle instructions for the coming battle. And then they would carry out those instructions they were the the lifeline of the Roman army. So these were tough guys. And uh, this is an amazing story because this was a general of... um, um, This is a general of of the the occupying army. And he humbles himself before someone who he... uh, before whom he should have been 
very arrogant, and he's not. So, so that's part of the beauty of this story. So, well, let's go to it. He says, Lord, my servant is lying. And the word here actually means boy. My boy is lying at home paralyzed. And this is a very derogatory term, uh, you know, and, and uh, it's a word we we don't use anymore. Um, if someone in times past, if someone said, boy, come over here, that was diminutive. It was deprecatory. So we don't use that anymore, but that's the sense of it. The, the word is pice, uh, and, and he says, my, 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 it means, it means servant. Um, but it's, it's, not a it's 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 a funny word <laughs> okay he's lying at home paralyzed and he is uh, they translated suffering dreadfully and that's not a bad translation and jesus says i will come and cure him lord i am not worthy to have you enter under my roof only say the word and my servant will be healed you know this is this is amazing and you know the humility of of this man uh, um, is immortalized. I mean, could you imagine if if he knew that two thousand years later people would be quoting him all over the world? I mean, that's kind of when you think of it. It's kind of uh, it's almost funny that that uh, we say that at mass, and we Catholics are more than a billion people, and we are all over the world, and every time we receive Holy Communion, we say. Uh, I'm not worthy to have you enter under my roof. Only say the word, my soul will be healed. And then he goes on, and and to me this is the the salient part of the text. I too am a man subject to authority, with soldiers subject to me. I say to one, go, and he goes; to another, come, and here, and he comes. And to my slave, do this, and he does it. It's kind of interesting because what he's saying here is is um, uh, this involves obedience uh he's talking about the obedience owed to the superior um now remember that um and the word here for servant is is slave i say to my slave do this and he does it he's talking about obedience and then what does jesus say when jesus heard this he said i have found no one in israel with such faith now, the old Reformation problem, are we saved by faith or works? And it is most interesting to me, the only place in Scripture where the phrase saved by uh, faith alone, the only place faith alone appears, that phrase, sola fides, appears in Scripture, is in the letter to St. James, a uh, letter of St. James, when he says, and so, brothers, it is clear we are not saved by faith alone. We are saved by obedience. Now, what am I always telling you? When you see the word faith, the noun faith, or the verb to believe, you can take those out of the scriptures and put in the word trust. The Greek word pistuen means to trust. Pistis means trust. Pistos means trustworthy um, <clears throat> or faithful. It is one of those rare words about which you can say, this means exactly what it means in Greek. It means exactly the same thing in Greek and in English, to trust. And faith, when I say faith or I believe, it means I have this opinion or I'm relying on this fact. Trust is a little fuller. 
Faith or belief is something that happens in the head for most people. Not necessarily, but I think for most people, we understand it that way in English. As in, I believe it will rain tomorrow, or I, I, uh, I have faith uh, that, that uh, things will work out. This is something that happens in the head, an opinion. Whereas trust is about a person. It happens in the heart and the head, both. And I think that this is why it is so important to understand this, this, uh, the meaning of this word. Uh, again, uh, forgive me if I take a sidebar, but so many people talk about uh, believing in the Holy Eucharist, having faith uh, in the Eucharist, believing that this is no longer bread and wine, uh, um, uh, but has become the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. When they say, I believe that, I think people really mean some people, not everybody. Now, take what I say, as I always tell you, with a grain of salt, but uh, people believe that, that when they say that, they say that they're really saying, I'm of the opinion. Really? I mean, you take bread and wine, things that are clearly bread and wine. You say some magical words over it, and then it becomes somehow flesh and blood. You really think that? I don't think it. I trust that it is. This is different. When I say I believe it, I may mean I'm of that opinion. You don't have to be of that opinion. Well, again, be cautious with what I say. You have to trust. And why do I think, even though it is not, I mean, I've seen you, I've seen stories of Eucharistic miracles. I've known people who have seen, been there firsthand for Eucharistic miracles. There's good reason to be of the opinion that there is a real change in the bread and wine. But it is a bit of a, a leap. The reason that I think that bread and wine become flesh and blood is because I trust the person who told me that. I can enter into that beautiful gift because I trust Jesus. And so it is trusting him that that, that wonderful thing that though it looks like bread and wine, it in my life has become the primary vehicle of the presence of God. I'm able to enter fully into this beautiful mystery, this beautiful secret. Remember, that's what the word mystery means. Because I trust Jesus. That's why, why, that's why I'm of that opinion. And I am of the opinion for a number of reasons that this is a real thing. But the, the first and beginning reason is Jesus has never lied to me. Well, this is, this is trust that, that, you know, again, let me give you another example of the idea of trust, faith as trust. And I believe as I trust, I go to a lecture by a very prominent lecturer and there is one rickety folding chair in the back of the hall. I look at that and I say, I believe that that rickety folding chair will hold my vast clerical dignity. And I look at the chair. I'm not believing, I'm not trusting that their chair will hold my vast clerical dignity until I put my vast clerical dignity into the chair. You see, believing is doing. If, as St. James says, I say I have faith but do not have works, show me your faith. Faith and works are inseparable. If I do not act in obedience to what God has told me, if I do not trust that the Lord is right, 
then can I say I, 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 I have faith? I don't trust him. If I trusted him, I would do what he told me. You know, walk across that uh, uh, that rickety bridge across the river. But 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 trust me, it'll hold you. I, I've been back and forth. It'll hold you. All right, I trust you. Here I go. That's the difference between faith as opinion and faith as trust. So this is a very important thing. I wanna I wanna talk about uh, a little bit about yesterday's readings, really, and and the readings from Isaiah here. Um, <clears throat> the branch of the Lord will be luster and glory. We read in the first reading um, that that a, uh, the Lord will create over the whole of the site of Mount Zion and over her place of assembly a smoking cloud by day and a light of flaming fire by night. That, of course, harkens back to the Exodus when they were led by the pillar of cloud in the day and the pillar of cloud at night. That's called the Shekinah glory. The Shekinah is a, is a Hebrew word that means to dwell, to abide. And Jesus talks a lot about that, that my Father and I will come and dwell with the one who opens to us. So that's a reference in Isaiah back to the, the, the glory days of the Exodus, when Israel learned obedience by following the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud. That's an important thing. Well, Looking back at this reading uh, and then yesterday's reading, you know, the yesterday's first reading, I, I maybe picture it differently than you. This was probably, this is early Isaiah, probably it was in the court of King Uzziah, um, might have been. And, well, whoever was the king then, there was a problem because Assyria was busily destroying uh, uh the northern kingdom. Uh, they had surrounded, uh, invaded the northern kingdom, surrounded Samaria, and were, were destroying it. And I believe Uzziah was uh, allied to the Assyrians. He was doing what they wanted. But this was a dangerous situation. He had to be very careful politically, lest the Assyrians just turn and come down and sack Jerusalem, too, and take off anything worth taking. And you picture Uzziah, struggling with this, or whoever was king at the time, and in comes this prophet and said, Thus says the Lord, that this mountain will be lifted up above all the mountains of the world. The nations of the world will come streaming to, to, this, to this place. Uh, I imagine Uzziah just shook his head and said, I don't need this right now. I got, I got issues. Why doesn't somebody take this prophet out for a cup of coffee or something? Um, well, and you know, this mountain, mo what mountain? I mean, Jerusalem was really just kind of a, a small village of, well, big village, 10,000 people maybe at the time, that time, with a big royal chapel, that's all. It was, it was a, a small capital of a small kingdom of unimportant people. It was perched on this sort of cliff. It was a, a hill that had very steep sides on either side and, and was defensible on the north, but it, it was nothing to write home about. Um, Easy to put under siege. Well, mountain. What mountain? Well, many, many years later, about 2,700, 750, give or take, I was in Jerusalem, student with a pack on my back, and I I was visiting the, the Jewish quarter, uh, which uh, was... Um, destroyed in 1948, and the Jews, uh, when they took Jerusalem in 1967, um, 
rebuilt it, and uh, it, it was like a, a little rat's maze. It's just this tiny little streets, and I was totally lost in this in this rebuilt Jewish quarter of Jerusalem, the old city. And I sat down on a bench in a little plaza, and you know, all sorts of kids playing, and you know, people sitting there and enjoying the the the, the autumn sun. And I opened the Bible, and I'm reading. Uh, Zephaniah. It was, I think, it was the book of Zephaniah, which said, "Old men shall walk in your streets; children will again play in your streets." And I, as if at a signal, the mothers all seemed to come to the windows and the doors and shout uh, to get their kids in for the noon meal. And I looked at all these kids jumping up and running to their homes, and and I thought, "My God in heaven, thank you! I'm watching Bible prophecy fulfilled." <laughs> there it was. Uh, uh, that 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 uh, in a time when Jerusalem had been leveled, flattened, Zephaniah said, "Children will again play in your streets," and they were. Uh, I was amazed. And and um, yesterday's reading, all nations of the world will will come. Perhaps I've told you the story, but I'll tell it again. When I was ordained a priest, newly ordained a priest, I went to Jerusalem again, and I had the great privilege of saying Mass in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. Um, that it was one of the great honors of my life, and and I'm in the sacristy vesting, and into the sacristy comes this man. He's he's six foot three, six foot four inches tall. Uh, this huge African man. And he's wearing a, a, a turban of cloth of gold and a, a robe of the same uh, the same cloth. And on his finger was what appeared to be a lump of gold, big enough to choke a horse. And he looked at me. I'm in the sacristy, where normally only priests and deacons go. I, he looked at me and said, pardon me, but where is the bathroom? <laughs> and I just looked at this apparition and I said, well, you got to go out this old building. You got to go out that door and down that little alley then take a left. There's a bathroom. And, uh, and, uh, I said, are you a priest? He said, no, no, I'm a king <laughs> and walked out. I, the nations of the world. This was a, 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 a traditional monarch from part, a part of Nigeria. I, the Nigerians all get excited and said, whoa, who, what, what? I, I don't know. I didn't ask him. And of what part of Nigeria are you king? He, I, he was devoutly Christian. That's all I know. Well, uh, uh, again, the nations, if you go to Jerusalem, it's packed with Russians and Koreans and Chinese people and Americans and people from everywhere and uh, Hispanics from Latin America and the nations of the world have beat a path to that city and that mountain has been lifted up higher than all the other mountains of the world. What I'm trying to say is you can trust God. History is a witness. 4,000 years of history. The promises made to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. The promises made to Uzziah and Hezekiah. And the promise made to us by Christ of the forgiveness of sins, the mercy of God, eternal life. And the promise of the blessed sacrament. That this is flesh and blood and not simply bread and wine or a symbol. But that they are real. You can trust those promises. If God has made a promise, as the old Pentecostal song says, every promise in the book is mine. That if God has made a promise, you can trust. And when we make promises for God, well, he's not obliged to those. 
But if God makes a promise, I assure you, he will keep it. All right, we're going we're gonna to take a break, and we'll come back with letters, and we're going to open the phones at 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. And I got my fancy-schmancy uh, uh, call screen up, so we can take lots of calls. Today, we'd like to thank Mark, who's listening in Minnesota, for donating his Pontiac. You can join thousands of other listeners in donating old vehicles by visiting relevantradio.com slash car today. Slow down, you move too fast. You got to make the morning last just kicking down the cobblestones. Looking for fun and feeling groovy. Groovy, groovy. I'm old enough to remember saying groovy and meaning it in a non-sarcastic way. Not for long. All right. Well, speaking of groovy, let's go to letters. Okay. I got a letter here. Uh, Let me get my glasses on, which, of course, are important. Oh, by the way, I want to wish a happy birthday to the voice in the head of the voice in my head. Olivia, happy birthday. There you go. You think that will embarrass her? Tee-hee. All right. It's too late. All right. This is from, um, uh, let's see here. No, that's, uh, this is an odd letter that I can't quite understand from Dan. Um, uh, the Dewey Reams is a translation of Latin into English. Um, yeah, the, the Vulgate into English. Uh, oh, dear. Uh, um I then thought that reps four might have a different meaning back when it was translated. I, 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 Dan, could you reference the scripture passage that you're talking about? Because the, the letters get old and I, I, I'm not quite sure where the, where the passage is. Okay. Let's see here. All right. Now I've got one that I wanted to look at. That was a really good insight here. They're all good insights, but if I can find it, uh, which, of course, I can't. Oh, wait, wait, there I did. Okay. The, uh, this, is a, this is a part of Dan's letter, but this, this I can deal with. <laughs> what is meant by Jerusalem, a city with compact unity? Another translation is it is Jerusalem, a city at unity within itself. Well, if you ever saw the old city of Jerusalem, the city of David, it really is a tinky tiny um uh um little 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 place and it it was it was pretty much uh um uh well a compact city it was tiny but the hebrew text says jerusalem is built as a city uh and then the word here in hebrew is uh from habar which is the word for neighbor, it means to unite, to be joined to. It can even mean to tie a magic knot or spell to charm. And it, it, it means to to be, you know, tied together. So it can imply a, a, a unity, but it also implies um, 
a compact neighborhood. Jerusalem's built as a city strongly compact. To it, the tribes go up. So I don't know if that answers your question, uh, but but it can imply uh, 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 the unity that a neighborhood has. It's built as a city. Uh, it's a place where, where people have to know each other because they're living close together. So I, I think that was an interesting word. Uh, so thanks, Dan. All right, let me... Uh, move back to the computer A. Now this is um, a very interesting. This is a very interesting letter from John. Uh, he he. Uh, the Thanksgiving Day program was a repeat. Uh, you spoke of James five sixteen. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. However, this is, uh, uh, to me, uh, one of the proof texts for the Sacrament of Reconciliation. However, I didn't hear you reference John 20, verses 20 to 23. After this, he said, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. And that's an interesting word, uh, uh, apostello. Uh, uh, it, it means... To send to on mission, but with authority. I'm always telling you, apostle means missionary, but not just, yeah, I'm a missionary. No, it's, you are a delegated missionary. This is a, it's, it's, it's a, a rather legal term. So uh, Jesus is clearly delegating these people when he sends them. Uh, so peace be with you. As the Father has delegated me, I am delegating you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Um, this, this, uh, um, uh, um, you could make the point that the, the text I quoted in James doesn't necessarily mean confession to a priest. And in the early church, you didn't confess to a priest. You confessed to the bishop in front of the whole congregation. It was, and you went to confession for a serious sin once, uh, they were pretty strict about it. Uh, at least that's the way I was taught. I'm not sure that that was universally so, but still, that was what I was taught in seminary. So uh, this idea of, of uh, I think the word here that Jesus is delegating these disciples, that I think that has a great deal of weight. So again, thank you uh, for reminding me of that, uh, John. All right, let's see here. All right, now let me go up to more letters. Okay, let's see here. Let me look at the at the clock. We're good. All right, this is um, this is uh, to me a rather serious question. Uh, I am in a grief group for parents who've lost adult children. My son, I won't mention the name. Uh, he died uh, um, in in 2019 at the age of 35. One of the mothers in the group has given us information about a medium she consults, saying that she's heard her deceased son's voice and how comforting it is. She's not Catholic, but I'm not supposed to use mediums, correct? I just need an explanation as to why when she asks me if I've tried to contact my son. Um, um, that is an extremely dangerous thing to do. I've talked about C.S. Lewis screw tape letters, and he compares us to amphibians living on the edge of a pond. You go into the pond, it's a very dangerous pond. 
you know that the devil is a liar and the father of lies uh, if uh, there's always some truth in the lie in a good lie to make it plausible and the devil is no fool believe me do not go to mediums do not consult with people who claim they can consult with the dead because what they're doing is they're inviting spirits to speak through them and when you do that you don't know what spirit you're inviting in and uh, chances are you are speaking with a very evil spirit um, I remember an incident uh, um, like that uh, when some guys in college were using a Ouija board and the Ouija board said something um, that was right on spot and uh, about someone who's going to die shortly and they did and it ruined people's lives do not consult mediums do not use Ouija boards you know this is the this is the sin of Adam and Eve they wanted to know more than God was pleased to tell them. Read the passage. She saw that the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was good for food and for the gaining of knowledge. Good for food and for the gaining of knowledge. Isn't knowledge always good? No. We know how to blow up the world. Do we have the wisdom not to do it? Knowledge that is not accompanied by heavenly wisdom can be a very dangerous thing. You know, my, my classmate and friend, Father Brankett, is always saying, uh, that we need to bring back the concept of the mad scientist. Uh, I remember in the old science fiction movies, there's always a mad scientist, uh, like like uh, uh, Count Frankenstein. Uh, there are a lot of mad scientists. They have a lot of knowledge and very little wisdom. Uh, so uh, knowledge is not a good thing on its own. Knowledge that God reveals to us is for our good and for a heavenly purpose. But when we seek knowledge that isn't from God, we are endangering ourselves and those whom we love. And there's no guarantee that that medium is speaking for a beloved, a loved deceased. And I would venture that that medium is probably speaking in a demonic spirit if they're saying anything authentic. You know, there are lots of different kinds of mediums. There are charlatans who can kind of guess what you're thinking. They're good at picking up signals, but then there are authentic ones. The charlatans are merely hurtful. The authentic ones are dangerous. Well, but I know somebody has a real gift. To want to know something that God is not pleased to tell us is very dangerous. It's very different from prophetic utterance. So please be very, very careful. Um, uh, and do not consult mediums or horoscopes or... All that sort of thing. Uh, I remember uh, uh, there was a fellow, uh, Caribbean voodoo is a very potent thing. And there was a fellow in one of my parishes where there was a large uh, Caribbean population. And uh, he got some lucky numbers from a medium and uh, he won this large amount of money. And then the rest of his life he spent gambling and getting getting uh, lucky numbers from voodoo practitioners, and uh, he lost his family and his, his fortune. Uh, the, the devil hooked him and then didn't let him go. So do not, do not confide in anyone who claims to be a medium. All right? Okay, let me see. Maybe one more, maybe one more. Let's see here. Is this an anonymous one or not? Okay. Okay, this is from... Um, Steve from Minneapolis. In the Our Father, I've been pondering that kingdom come. Can kingdom be read as royal nature? Is there a better word uh, to come? 
Uh, well, may thy kingdom come. I don't. I don't see as a problem if you, if you translate the word basilea uh, as 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 royal nature. You see, basilea is a quality of the king. The word basileus is Greek for king. Basilea is kingliness. There's no equivalent word in English for it. That's why I say royal nature. It's uh, there's all sorts of people who pretend that they're royalty and they're not. Uh, they're just uh, jumped up peasants like me. Uh, they're not royalty. Um, Herod wasn't royalty. Uh, he was just a, a ward boss who who bought the title king from the Romans. The uh, this idea of royal nature. The ancient Romans believed, and ancient people did believe that if you had the nature of a, if you had a slave for an ancestor, you had a slave nature. If you had a king for an ancestor, even if you weren't a king, you had a kingly nature. So this is the idea: may your royalness come. Um, you can translate it reign, but really it means um, when the king comes, his nature comes with him. So we're praying that that. You know, we venerate the royalties of this world. I get the biggest kick out of all of these people who are just fascinated by what this movie star is doing. And will this movie star break up with that movie star or the latest scandal? We're fascinated by royalty. Why? They're just overpaid indigents um, that that uh, uh, I don't understand it, uh, that, that we're fascinated by the scandals, the the peccadillos, the opinions of uh, the the misdeeds and misdoings of of this class of people, who have done nothing but pick the right grandparents. That's the the world's royalty. Christ's royalty is different. It's a royalty that washes feet. It's a royalty that built table and chairs. It's a royalty that was enthroned on a cross, and wore a crown of thorns. May that vision of royalty come. Uh, the baby born in the manger. May that vision, that understanding of royalty arrive, and may the other depart. So may your royalness come. And let's forget about these false royalties of the world, because there's only one true king, and that's that's King Jesus. Uh, so I hope that helps, uh, Steve. Uh, let's see here. Okay, we have lots and lots of lines open. We're about to take a break and go to the word of the day. So again, you can call in at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And we will be back with a word of the day. The Catholic Order of Foresters, the sponsor of our studio line, is hiring today. Several positions available throughout the U.S. Visit RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester to learn more about how you can find your vocation with COF, an Illinois Life Insurance Society not licensed in all states. Oh, well, I want to be ready. I want to be ready. I want to be ready. To walk in Jerusalem just like John. Oh, John said the city was just Amen. for square. Walk in Jerusalem just like John. If you get the chance to go to Jerusalem, do so. It is an experience worth having. All right, let us go to the word of the day. 
give me a word. Any word, and I show you how the root of that word is Greek. Well, not quite. This one's Latin. And the word of the day is, of course, Advent. <laughs> Most appropriate. And it comes from a Latin word, advenire, which means to come close, to approach. And it means arrival, the arrival, the, the arrival of the Lord. And it is actually the way that the word parousia is translated from Greek. And parousia is an interesting word. It means being present, being at, at your side, being there. Uh, um, very interesting. Um, we Catholics talk about the parousia, the coming of the Lord, or the Lord being present. Um, whereas our many of our evangelical friends talk about the rapture. Now, I don't mean to be controversial, but meh, meh. The word rapture does not appear in the Bible. It's so funny because people talk about the rapture, the rapture of the saints. The word doesn't appear in the Bible. Now, the the verb does. The noun rapture doesn't appear in the Bible. But you do see the, um, uh, if I can find it, you do see the, the word uh, harpazo. Uh, the, the Greek word is actually, uh, oh dear, Harpagesometha, which means we shall be snatched up. It's a verb. But this idea of the rapture, that's that's not um I I it's not really biblical. And the idea of being caught up, we shall be caught up uh um in the presence of the Lord. Uh we we talk about when the Lord will it will be present and the Lord is present. The arrival of the Lord, that's what what Advent means. And the Lord arrived in human flesh 2,000 years ago, a little more than 2,000 years ago. And he said at the end of his earthly ministry after the resurrection, he said, Behold, I am with you all days until the end of the world. And he vanished. Huh? He's with us, but he just vanished. The word being with you is is, is, is a, a reasonable way to translate this word parousia. Well, if Jesus is not present in the tabernacles of all the world, then he was lying. Well, Jesus meant in a spiritual sense, I'm with you spiritually. He didn't say, I will be with you spiritually. He said, I will be with you. And Jesus is a human being with a human nature. And he's a divine person with a divine nature. And human beings have bodies. If I'm going to be with you, I'm going to be physically with you as well as spiritually. And I maintain that 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 the proof of of his presence is the real presence in, in the Blessed Sacrament, that he fulfills his parting promise to the disciples and to us by his presence in the tabernacle. So what that means is, you know, people are waiting to be caught up with the Lord. Well, we can be caught up in the Lord every time we go into a, 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 a church where the Blessed Sacrament is reserved or go to Eucharistic adoration or go to Mass. We are in the parousia, we are in the presence of God, who is who has come to the world, and who will come again in a more visible form. 
but he's come to the world. He will come again, but he has never left us. And I think that's wonderful. Well, all right. Let us now, uh, if I can find the proper little screen, you know, there calls. All right. Let's do it. All right. Let's go to calls. Oh, you did the call thing already. Never mind. Ray from New Jersey, are you with us? Yes, I am. Good. What can I do for you? Um, I have a question. Your interpretation of Matthew 1, 18 to 20, which is the uh, the conception of Mary and Joseph finding out. Yeah. And um, there were a couple of words that always bothered me. Um, okay. Found that she was found pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. That Joseph was a righteous man, and the angel telling him not to be afraid. Yeah. So I have this belief that he he actually had a reverence theory. He looked at Mary as the Ark of the New Covenant, and then those words fit a lot better than if he doubted her and wanted to divorce her more in anger or uh, disappointment. Well, I, I'm not sure I'm understanding your question. Uh, this is how the, the text you're quoting, this is uh, how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Well, let's look at what the Greek text says. Uh, um, uh, she was having been pledged, uh, um, uh, Mary having been pledged uh, to Joseph before uh, they came together, before their coming together. Uh, she was found, uh, the literally is having in womb. That's what pregnant means, having in the womb um, from the Holy Spirit. Uh, that's the, I'm, I'm, this is literally what it means, from the Holy Spirit. Uh, that How could she be pregnant? Well, it was from the Holy Spirit. This, this was from God. When we say something from God. Uh, um, it doesn't I, imply anything miraculous about it? Oh, sure. Other than a normal miraculous. birth? Oh, no, it's quite miraculous. She was found to be pregnant from the Holy Spirit. Um, the, the, let's, let's look up what, what the, the word can mean. It means from out of, from among, uh, suggesting the interior outwards. Um, that it, it, it can also mean by, by means of. It, 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 it's a kind of difficult word, but... Uh, I think you can translate it by means of the Holy Spirit. So, yeah, well, it was definitely miraculous, and that's always the way it was interpreted. It's very interesting that in the Talmud, uh, um, uh, I think it's in the Talmud, uh, that that there was a, a, a story, or it might be from the book of the Generations of Jesus, another ancient uh, uh, Jewish work, um, that... The virgin birth was was said to be, well, this was a Roman soldier, that she had been uh, impregnated by a Roman soldier. Well, that's interesting because they don't deny that Mary's conception was abnormal or irregular. They have to explain it. In other words, not saying, ah, nonsense, this was Joseph, this is nuts. They didn't say that. They said, well, everybody knows it wasn't Joseph, but it must have been a Roman soldier. In other words... From Talmudic times, uh, it was assumed that 
this unusual pregnancy had come about, but they were insisting it was natural, which would contrast with the Christian belief, no, this was supernatural. And that that no no author, no Jewish author, which Matthew was, of course, would say that an illegitimate birth was from the Holy Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit would not have condoned uh, uh, an illegitimate liaison between a man and a woman. So, no, it, it's, it's, I think, it definitely miraculous. And that's been the consistent belief of, of Christians forever. So, now, the next phrase which is troubling you, troubling you is Joseph being a, a righteous man? Right. So, rather than saying that she should be stoned or that something should be done, you know, I, I would have thought if he doubted her, he would have been a merciful man, a kind man, an understanding man, a forgiving man. But righteous seems to imply that he knows God really well. So yes. he's been told that this is a miraculous birth because they're saying by the Holy Spirit. And now they're saying he's a man who knows God really well. Well, let, let's look at the word righteous. When we hear righteous, okay. we, we think of someone who, you know, every every last phrase of the law, I am righteous, I am going to do what I'm going to do right, even if it means that you're going to get killed. I'm going to do the right thing. That's not righteousness in the Jewish sense. If the word in Hebrew would be a tzaddik, if a Jew calls you a tzaddik, he can't pay you a higher compliment. A tzaddik is someone who's who reflects the nature of God. And we think of justice as opposed to mercy, but in the nature of God, justice and mercy are absolutely reconciled. They are, in a sense, the same thing. Um, that, that God's justice, uh, uh, an element of God's nature, is mercy. Justice is to reflect the nature of God, so it's necessarily merciful. It was because he reflected the nature of God as a man. You know, Joseph, I had a, a very interesting conversation in an airport recently with an Orthodox Jew uh, from Israel who was talking about Joseph. And Joseph, for Jews, is the model of humility because uh, um, when his brothers came to him in Egypt, they didn't know it was their brother Joseph, whom they assumed was dead or a slave. Well, he could have taken revenge on them, but he didn't. He absolutely he said, this is for your good and my good and the good of our people. Uh, God, you meant this for harm, but God meant it for good. That Joseph is the very, Joseph in the Old Testament is a dreamer, and he is a person who is without the desire for vengeance. And he's a type of St. Joseph, who was a dreamer and a person without a desire for vengeance. And so uh, I don't know if there was a special discernment on the part of Joseph, but it was definitely, uh, 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 he definitely reflected the nature of God. Does that help a bit? Yes, yes. Good. And there was a third um, element to your question. Um, don't be afraid. So if, oh, okay. I, w I thought if he actually doubted her, then he would have been more angry, more frustrated. But if he believed her and really thought that, wow, this baby's conceived by God, I don't belong here, then afraid would fit to me, saying, okay, oh, let me, he's let afraid me to even go near Mary as the Ark of the New Covenant, shall we say that yes. he's, he's of the kingly class, he shouldn't touch her. 
Well, you know, he's you not know, a that, priest. that is talk. interesting. Don't be afraid. I, you know, I just lost my little, I had the Greek text pulled up, and I, of course, have just lost it. So we'll have to find it again. Uh, um, let me see. Was found to be with, okay, let me pull that up. She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Um, okay, now let's see what what they're what they're saying for afraid. Okay, um, Saint Elton. Okay, one more little button to press, and I should have it. Okay. Oh gosh. Oh, we're almost done. I've been talking too much, but it's an interesting thing. Uh, Apollusa. Oh dear, I'm pressing buttons as fast as I can press them. Okay. Okay, the angel of the Lord in a dream said to him, Joseph, uh, uh, it's just, just the regular word for fear. I think it was would be a fear of God. I think that's what he would have been afraid of, that that uh, um, that that this 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 fear, I suspect, was a fear of God. Um, I'm going to have to, I'm going to, let me ponder this. And if I can remember to talk about it, I'll talk about it again tomorrow. But I think that's what he's afraid of. David, don't be, uh, he's, uh, Joseph, don't be uh, afraid. So, and by the way, don't be afraid to stay on the air because Drew's coming up and nobody's afraid of Drew. He's a great guy.